Today's episode is brought to you by Chiropractic Mastery. Wouldn't it be great if your spinal problems and misalignments could correct themselves? And if you didn't need the same thing done to you every time you visit the office, best of all, what if your chiropractor could check and tell when your body didn't need any help that day at all? MC2 chiropractors correct nervous system imbalances directly so the body is best able to correct the spinal misalignment on its own. This is done without twisting, popping, cracking, or causing pain. It's so honoring to the body that most people experience a tremendous amount of improvement very quickly, often without the soreness and stiffness that may follow a more traditional chiropractic adjustment. Your chiropractor can find out more by visiting chiropracticmastery.com and checking the seminars tab. And if you're looking for a chiropractor that will custom build the most painless yet effective chiropractic adjustment for you on every visit to the office, go to chiropracticmastery.com and click on the referrals tab. Hey everyone, and welcome to the season finale of season three of the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. And today, guys, here it is. An interview that is several years in the making with my mentor and one of my favorite chiropractors in the whole world, Dr. Tony Abel. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Tony is a master of his craft. He has a monster pediatric practice outside of Chicago, Illinois, where he helps uh, thousands and thousands of children uh, with developmental issues, um, sensory processing issues, ADHD, um, and all the typical chiropractic stuff that you see, like colic, constipation, acid reflux, asthma, ear infections, um, etc. Um, I had the opportunity to visit Tony's practice last year. I got to shadow him for a day. I got to meet his staff and meet his other docs. And I'm here to tell you guys, Tony is world class. He's one of the best chiropractors in the world, um, and he's doing some really, really amazing things. I've been bugging Tony for years to get on the kiddo cast and uh, finally we were able to sync up our schedules so that uh, you know he could um, you know be on the cast and, and provide a, a really quite amazing interview just an in-depth look at how his brain works um, and particularly you know what he does in his practice and the types of kids that he sees so I know you guys are going to enjoy this um, I really really enjoy it it's one of my favorite interviews of all time um, and without any further ado here is uh, Dr. Tony Abel. Hey everybody, it's uh, Dan Bronstein here with our season finale of the Kiddo Cast. Um, this is going to be an amazing one. Uh, I've been working on this one for uh, what, like three years, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I I think so, and it and it's quite the day, Dr. Dan, because today I officially hired my EA, my assistant. So in the future, these won't take three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good, man. I mean, it, it, we're finally on, so we'll have an opportunity to geek out and, and nerd out. Um, I just want to do just a little bit of prefacing before we get going, because uh, Tony and I have known each other now for, for a while, um, and uh, Tony served as a mentor for many, many years now. Um, but uh, of all the people that I know in this profession, uh, Tony is, is probably the most committed, uh, not just to chiropractic care, 
care, not just to taking care of children, but also to the science and the understanding of what it is that we do, uh, which is vitally important to my practice and vitally important to what we talk about on the KiddoCast because uh, we're constantly striving to do better, constantly striving to improve our outcomes. And because, you know, in our clinic, we see a lot of very complicated, very difficult cases, um, it is very, very important for us to constantly do better. So having Tony on uh, on this uh, this podcast has been, um, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's been a work in progress. It's been something that is long overdue, and I know that he's going to absolutely blow your mind. So, uh, Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking this uh, Tuesday morning out with all of us. Um, real quick, uh, so just so, you know, people who are listening who don't have any idea who you are, why don't you let everybody know who you are, and then let's talk a little bit more. You got it. You know, I always kind of give people the fair warning that my, uh, my mixtape I'll be coming at you from is equal parts farmer and equal parts. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the nerd part, the neurology part is, is outpacing the farm part, but I'm bringing it back since I moved to a farm here a couple of years ago. So, um, and I think that's where God blessed me with this to be able to really help parents and other, other chiropractors to teach the science because we want to understand it and know it at its deepest levels, most advanced levels, but not complicated, not, you know, it, it's useless if we can't make sense of it. So I really think the farmer stuff makes sense of it. Um, yeah, my commitment really comes, as, as for a lot of us do, probably most everybody listening to this, um, first and foremost, as a parent, I've got four beautiful babies. And the short story is the, the first one, our oldest daughter, Addison, the, the book, the plan we wrote out went, you know, chapter by chapter, word for word, perfectly. Great pregnancy, great birth, great baby, great outcome. Second one was a 180 of that, my little miracle man, Oliver. And, you know, I'll, I'll put a bow on it from that. That was where, just as, as Dan had said in the intro, the constantly striving to find the answers in science. It was a heck of a time 11 years ago when Oliver was born. I had just put together the first deep structure of this thing called the perfect storm and really figured out how much birth trauma to the upper cervical, to the brainstem, all sorts of stuff we can geek out on. I had just had my own aha moment. And then there was Oliver right smack into it, the glaring example of it. Um, so for those parents out there, I've, I've been in the parent seat too, um, with the sickest baby in the NICU, the baby who wasn't supposed to live, and the baby who, if he did, um, he had a 99% chance of severe neuro damage, brain challenges, CP, autism was what the medical doctors told us were the best possible outcomes. And Oliver is now an 11-year-old in fifth grade school right now, handsome, tall, which is not for me, Dan, um, you know, perfectly healthy, rocking it. So there's a lot of science into that, but man, thank God I knew it so I could then do it and apply it for him. And so he's a medical miracle um, and he's a chiropractic miracle as well. And there's science that makes those miracles happen. Yeah, I, uh, I've heard the story about Oliver uh, many, many times, but it's important for us to constantly come back to it because, you know, every day in the clinic, we see cases like that and we need to know um, that chiropractic care works. You know, even as a chiropractor, who sees these cases all the time, you know, we see these, these things happen and, you know, in the back of our minds, we're like, you know, 
I, I wonder how much we, we can help these kids. But the crazy thing about chiropractic care, and this is something that I think everybody who's listening to this podcast who's on the fence needs to understand, is that chiropractic care always, always, always helps. Yeah. Right? To the degree to which it helps, it depends on scans, depends on history, depends on the type of chiropractor that you see, but there's always something that can be gleaned from chiropractic care. I can't tell you the times that I've been confronted with cases in my clinic where, like you said, with Oliver, you know, they were medically signed off on. At that point, there's nothing that can be done. There's going to be developmental delays. There's going to be autism. There's going to be, you know, cerebral palsy. There's going to be seizures. There's going to be all this other just garbage, right? And I've talked about it on previous podcasts. There's even pediatricians and pediatric specialists in this town that I live in that sign off on their kids on their first visit. Yes. Right. There's nothing that we can do. This is life. That's just what you're going to have to deal with. I'm sorry. Blah, 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 blah. These are the kids who absolutely thrive under chiropractic care. Um, and so again, those of you guys who are on the fence, just listen to some of these stories, listen to some of the things that we're going to say, because if you have a kid that sounds like this, we absolutely can't help them. Um, Tony, I, I want you to dig right in and let's start talking about some of the science here, because I'm sure a lot of parents who are on the fence who are listening to this are like, well, how does chiropractic care help? Yep. Um, you don't necessarily have to talk specifically about Oliver, but I would love for you to shine a little bit of a light on your clinical practice as to how chiropractic care works in these situations. You got it. You know, we're going to lean into the, the experience. We're going to lean in mom and dads. We're going to lean into your gut instincts, and then we're going to, you know, put a bow on it with, with a, a quick dose of the neurology. So when we have a kiddo who's struggling, and, and one of the biggest issues that we can just put on the mantle right away and say is right there, is the initial struggles that our babies in birth to three go for are really just shuffled, you know, like, like Dr. Dan was saying to another degree, they're, they're just ignored without being ignored. What I mean is you're told your colicky baby will grow out of it. You're told your frequent ear infections kid will grow out of it. You're told, oh, don't worry, boys just talk a little later. You know, there's all this like, don't worry. And we wanna find that sweet spot. We don't wanna make you worry anymore, but we wanna move you towards answers. And so when you start to have your kiddos struggle, whether it's a small thing, medium thing, or enormously just not cool thing like seizures and autism, you first turn to the traditional medical approach. Medicine in a short 10 seconds is gonna say, is this genetic? Yes or no? And they're gonna try and put it, they're gonna just keep whittling down the gene snips until they can put a, Dan and Tony syndrome on it, right? We, we, we are two yet. We haven't had a syndrome named after us yet, but we don't live in that world. Or they're going to look for blood work. Most of the time, you don't find it, okay? The second place the parents go is nutritional. And they look to diet changes, detoxes, supplementations, gut, brain, leaky gut. There's so gluten, casein. There's so much great information out there today. I go to these two things first because that is, believe it or not, even through our standard chiropractic education, big problem for Dan and I to solve another day, that is exactly what we're told. Oh, it's bad luck, genetics. Oh, it's, it's in this, it's in physiology, it's in chemistry. So when I opened up our practice 13 years ago and started taking case histories, those were the clues I started to look for and didn't find many answers. So what we did and what we're trained on as pediatric chiropractors in the way we work is to laser in on neurology. So the first questions I started to really ask myself is, okay, 
since neurology is the very first thing to develop the brain and what's called the spinal tube, which is the brain, the brainstem, the spinal cord that develops in utero embryologically first. And then it goes truly from the inside out. The nervous system starts it, then spreads through all the rest of it. And then you've got heart, then you've got lungs, then you've got stomach, then you've got arms and legs and fingers, toes and eyebrows, right? So if neurology is the starting of everything, then maybe neurology is also where the problem starts. And what we started to see, I opened up my clinic and the only parents back then who would really give us a shot to help their kiddos, again, not their fault, just lack of information. We were just on the cusp of the information age back in 07, 08. 17, 18, 19 year olds riddled with seizures, riddled with anxiety, ADHD, Asperger's, had tried every medication under the sun and were probably still on six of them. And when I dug into their case history, the answers were found in early. So if you listen to this podcast and if you're that parent note taker, whether you're taking a mental note or you're actually taking notes, the biggest word is how early the nervous system for our babies undergoes distress. The first main factor we found all the time that started to stick out like a sore thumb was maternal stress. The fact that instead of supporting, empowering, and really helping our, our moms through pregnancy, labor, and delivery, we scare the ever-living heck out of them all the way through. We diagnose them and treat them and, and make it to be a big problem instead of a great, amazing thing. And then the second one was really, truly that birth trauma. So the nervous system, the key to the earliness that we can really geek out on is the earlier you affected the more significant that stamp is on there. It's most plastic, it's most impressionable, it's most an open slate during those beginning, during the internal period, during pregnancy, and then the birth to three, five, seven years, it's most open to programming. So in this most toxic, most distressful world that we live in, that's why our kids start so stressed out because the stress shows up so early. So that really, 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 I think it, it affects the conversation on the KiddoCast podcast in two ways. Of course, if you're a parent who is getting in on this conversation quite early, phenomenal, right? You, you thank your lucky stripes. It's a great thing to get this information early to get ahead of it. But even if you didn't, do not worry. What we want to do in teaching the science and going through it is know that the earlier it got in there, the deeper it gets into the nervous system, which just simply and powerfully means the bigger, the deeper the project we've got in front of us. But like Dan was saying, does not mean that improvement doesn't happen because the brain remains plastic. The brain remains changeable. And that is something that medicine is really barely admitting to and that's why they miss it because they think that once your child is neurologically damaged um forever which is why they write them off and we say no no no. 19 let's go to work nine let's go to work nine days let's go to work you're nine months pregnant let's go to work and move forward and that's what we want to do with this conversation yeah, you know, but I, I think something that you're, you're really talking about here is, is recognition. We have to recognize yeah. what these causes are of interference 
um, so that we can figure out how to correct them, right? And that's the, the biggest issue in my experience with most pediatricians and neurological yeah. specialists. It's not to say that they're doing anything wrong, it's just they're yep. working within the scope of their paradigm, yep. is that we're not recognizing what is actually wrong, what's going on, right? In, in Perfect Storm seminars that you and I both put on, we call that the moonwalking bear, right? It's right in front of our faces, but we're not paying attention to it. And I think it's really, really important for parents to recognize and understand if they're listening that those, those instincts that you have, that something is going on under the surface is absolutely right. They're absolutely correct. Um, I, I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, about this early, early stress uh, because you glossed over it, but I think it bears a little bit more explanation, more detail. Um, because honestly, one of the biggest issues that we have in our clinic, and I'm sure your doctors at PwC have the same issue as well, is when a parent comes in and we identify chronic subluxation patterns, and we haven't even talked about subluxation yet on this podcast, but we're going to, we identify these sources of interference and irritation. And then we talk to these parents and say, hey, this has been going on since yeah. time in utero. This has been going on since birth. The parent's initial response, the knee-jerk gut response is, yeah, well, my pediatrician and my OB said everything yeah. was okay, right? My APGAR scores were fine. So what are you seeing that yeah. my doctor's not seeing? So would, would you speak to that a little bit and yeah. talk to our parents yeah. about what's going on? Yeah, big time. And we're going to really help both parents and other providers, right? Start to figure, so, so what you were talking about there is exactly right. Lack of awareness is automatically going to lead to lack of action. Because if you don't know about something, you can't do anything about it, right? So that's the moonwalking bear. So through the technology that you use in our office and we do, especially with this really rad technology called HRV, see, when we hook up this technology to a pregnant mom and we're measuring her nervous system, we are also absolutely measuring the baby's nervous system. And that's what I'll speak to in, in detail on this. And then we can start to absolutely change it because that's really where it's coming from. So I'll explain it in my farmer, my farmer concepts. We all know, especially in today's world, it's, it's again, we're moving in the right direction. We're getting almost there. We know that for a pregnant mom, we really want to educate her about not putting bad things into the bloodstream. Okay. Meaning, don't smoke, don't drink, watch your diet, don't put BPA in your water bottle, and all of these sort of things because we know that that bloodstream is coming from mom and it's the nutrient and life supply. A lot of people, even in medicine, would basically call it that. The life supply to the baby and their development and their well-being. Well, that umbilical cord that has those blood vessels and delivers the nutrients and delivers the oxygen and delivers all that to the baby, also is the power cord. It's the electrical cord, okay? It is what is delivering neurology to that baby. As our neurology goes, our baby's neurology goes. And I just want to put a little thumbtack on this. It actually doesn't change that much once the umbilical cord is no longer there and they're out here. Our kids go as we go. If we go stressed, anxious, ADHD to the max 24-7, so do they, okay? Because they, yes, I know that's a little bit goofy, but yeah, the cord leaves them, but it's not too far, right? So that early stress is there, and it starts to immediately shift the child's neurodevelopment to be prone and susceptible to, or probably better using a word most of you parents are going to know, sensitive to, because that'll pick up the sensory conversation later on, more sensitive to stress, 
more hardwired for this fight or flight sympathetic response. And so what that looks like in a little one is colic, difficulty nursing, hard to soothe, motor development, those sort of things. So while the pediatrician may not tag it as a bigger problem or definitely isn't going to tag it as subluxation, it's already there. It's set up shop, set up camp, and it's starting to root its way in. So yes, that is one of the biggest challenges we face when we're looking to communicate and explain the truth and the plan and the science behind all this to parents. Because when it comes to say ADHD or when it comes to say sensory or seizures, oh no, they just got that. You know, that just showed up in first grade or that just showed up in preschool. Um, Cause it's the first time the pediatrician or other people have kind of tagged it as such. What we want to do is help you not worry about what it's called. We want you to focus on where it's coming from. And neurology controls and coordinates everything. Neurology coordinates and controls the gut and the gastric motility. So when it's off center early on, that's called the colic, a constipation, and a fussy baby because they struggle to eat, sleep, and poop. Then when that neurology also controls our immune system and our respiratory lymphatic drainage system, so when it's jammed up, fight or flight, that's a frequently sick kid, and we just call it ear infections and respiratory infections. And then when it's jammed up, motor development, literally when the child starts to have altered motor development, which every OTPT knows and pediatricians should know, but I think they kind of slept through that class. <laughs> we, we, get a little, we get a little grumpy about the stuff that they missed, but I found in, I'm sure you have too, our pediatric PT OT friends um, are even a little more salty about what's missed in the traditional pediatrician's office than, than we are. And so all of that goes to that early shift, switch, and then what happens? It becomes stuck. That child's brain and nervous system and everything that comes from it becomes stuck in that sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. So that's why our care plans in our offices are way longer than in most places because we have to unstuck it first and then we have to reprogram it second. The, each of those jobs in and of itself are pretty big so when you put the two together, which is what we're obsessed with, because we don't want to get your kid just a little bit kind of sort of better. We want to get them to their best possible place. And that's why we do the work the way we do it. Yeah, you know, and I think it's important for us to talk about this, uh, this alternative approach, you know, PT, OT, speech therapy, the trifecta, mm -hmm. right, which is what we yeah. typically see our kids coming into chiropractic office already have done. Um, and then you know, as well as I do that moms who have children on the spectrum, sensory processing disorder, whatever, have already been through the genetics, yeah. and the nutrition and all that other stuff. And they hit this wall. Yeah. where it, there's diminishing returns. They're, they're not really getting the progress that they should be making. Um, chiropractic care, as you've taught us, and we see in our clinics every day, is about unlocking neurology. And if the neurology is not working correctly, then there's really not a lot of PT, speech therapy, OT, nutrition, genetics, whatever, that's going to help through the process. Uh, consequently, it is still important for our patients to continue with PTOT, speech therapy, intervention, yep. whatever, because we find that once they're under chiropractic care, they excel yeah. in all of those, um, those, those uh, procedures. Um, 
And so those of you guys who are listening again, like don't stop with the nutrition, don't stop with the epigenetic work, don't stop with any of that therapy, because once you get under chiropractic care, you're going to see things start to explode. Um, I have a couple of questions based on, you know, what you've talked about, Tony. Uh, the, the first one is respect to birth trauma. We've talked about this quite a bit on this podcast. Um, I've told this story before, but I think it really bears repetition, especially considering that um, you talk about this in the perfect storm and this is the season finale. Um, I may have shared the story with you in the past, but if I haven't, then, then uh, you'll love it. For sure. So, um, I was in Paris a couple of years ago, and uh, I was teaching um, tonal pediatrics uh, to a bunch of European docs, and we had as our uh, keynote speaker a guy by the name of Michel O'Don. I don't know if you know Michel or not. Um, he's an obstetrician. He was 88 years old when we met with him. He's in his 90s now. Uh, the guy is absolutely brilliant. He's published more papers in The Lancet than I care to even read. Um, he's written books on primal birth. And he's, he's really just talked about the history of obstetrics over the past 70, 80 years. Um, so he goes all the way back to the 50s and talks about the difference between birth then and birth now. Um, and aside from the fact that birth has become a lot more patriarchal and got a lot yeah. more sort of um, uh, do as I say, not as I do, um, a lot of both male and female birth workers are kind of telling moms what they can and can't yeah. do. Um, Michelle said something that absolutely blew my mind. Based on his research, what he said was that we are genetically selecting away from vaginal birth now because we've spent so much time, so much energy, so much research on intervention that now five, six generations removed from that, you know, sort of renaissance, quote unquote, in yeah. modern birthing, women now have the genetic propensity towards intervention, augmentation, cesarean section. Yeah. And so we're basically putting it up against our moms to be able to deliver vaginally because we've spent so much time teaching them that they can't do it. So going back around to a lot of the conversations we had at the very beginning about how, you know, stress in utero, fearful births, fearful deliveries, uh, you know, leading up into that actual mechanical trauma that comes from, quote unquote, delivering the baby. It's no wonder that we're kind of put up against this whole situation and we have so much trauma. As we talked about in all of our perfect storms, something like 99 out of 100 babies that are being born now have atlas subluxations. Uh, which is a huge stress on the brain, Sam. It's a huge stress on the upper neurology, which means that everything else downstream is going to be problematic. Um, I, I would love for you to chime in on this a little bit and then talk about what that subluxation, especially C1 and C2, does to the neurology so that we can help our parents understand a little bit more. Yeah, I love that you bring that to the forefront because, you know, kind of the, the way we built our clinic, as you know, we have multiple doctors, we take care of everybody, but we each quarterback one department, obviously, I am perfect storm guy, right, in it and always. And so one of the things that hit me many, many years ago, I was doing a presentation at a chiropractic college, teaching for eight hours as CE. So we just went all the way into this. And this very, I love her, strong-willed Dr. Brenda Trudell from Wisconsin, small town Wisconsin, walks up to me, gives me a hug and says, you know, what we really need to, you're so right, what we really need to do to change the world then is take care of 100 times more pregnant women through chiropractic. Because it's not just our adjustments that do 100% help prepare their nervous system and their biomechanics, all of it together for that vaginal birth, right? The intervention. But we also help prepare their perspective, their mind. We shift their thinking and then shift their neurology. That's why chiropractic works so well. Not only the adjustment, but you get us. 
You get, honestly, you get to listen to us. You get to get hugged by us. You get to just get a different direction of perspective to us. And so that's what really, really happens with that. And so as soon as she said that, I was like, man, I got to do that. I knew I didn't have bandwidth, so we brought in Dr. Ron. That's a long-winded, you know, Tony the Farmer story to say what we see. He wrote an article, which is my favorite, and it was called Take the Wheel. What we really encourage our moms to do is to say, oh, no, you have choices. If you don't have a provider, I don't care what school they went to, male, female, initials, whatever, whatever hospital they're affiliated with or not, if you don't have a provider who listens first to your choices, your desires, your direction, fire that provider and find one who does, okay? They're out there. So that's, that's for everything, but it definitely starts there and scores more points. So what happens when this, when a baby gets stuck, and that's truly physically what's happening as they're coming through this, when they get stuck making their way into the world, then we go into augmentation intervention and we physically do things to unstuck yank and pull them into the world. Whether that is a big old set of pliers, whether that's a big old plunger, whether that's a big old set of hands, and whether they pull them and get them through the vaginal canal by augmenting a vaginal birth, or whether they just say that ain't happening, which we now know they say, oh, that's not gonna happen. Ten this isn't just Dan and Tony's theory, this is proven through WHO and other studies that it's five to 10 fold over utilizing C-section where they then go in and pull this child out by their head and neck. If you go and you can, if you go to YouTube and you watch a video of a C-section or augmented birth, you do not have to listen to this podcast, got one of our scans, be our patient, to watch that as a human and go, that's not good. We shouldn't do that unless we absolutely have to and then if we absolutely had to, it was a very needed intervention, like my son's, then we better do something about that. Because you will see such incredible amounts of force put onto the skull, but especially the upper neck. So here I'm gonna nerd out just a couple layers deeper. I think we're very, very, very beautifully designed, okay? However you feel we got there is 100% to you, but it's intelligent. It is wicked intelligent. Okay, the skull protects the most important thing in the entire body. The brain is the boss. The brain is the mom of the body. It knows everything because it asks all the questions, okay? It's a big sensory perceptor. Well, therefore, all the bones of the skull are sutured together. It's harder to get in there and wreak havoc. That's a good thing. Then the upper cervical spine is still a set of bones that protects the spinal cord. Remember earlier, we talked about how the brain, the brainstem, and then the spinal cord are the first things to develop. The very next things are the bones that are going to encase and protect them. And the number one thing that every parent wants to do is to protect our babies. We feel that if we can keep them safe, nature will do its course and they'll be healthy and they'll be happy. And I feel that that's very accurate. I really wish that all of the providers in prenatal and pediatric healthcare kept their parent perspective out front and we cared more about protecting them because then I promise you we wouldn't grab a hold of their neck, their atlas and their axis, yank, twist, pull them into the world and absolutely significantly misalign and jam up these vertebrae. 
See, those bones are still movable. The skull, not so much. Now, do we need to do cranial work and do we all the time in our office? Yes, but the upper cervical subluxations are worse than the cranial subluxations because that area is more easily injured, more easily damaged, more easily subluxated. And it also has to do with the massive amounts of motor sensory information into the cerebellum, which is right back there, and into the vagus nerve. So it also has to do, now we'll kind of put it to just real estate. That is the most precious real estate, the most precious location of our developing baby, and actually forever. It's the most important part of our body forever. Injuring the upper neck is going to wreak a lot more havoc than a sprained ankle, or even honestly an injured low back. And so when that happens to our babies with that birth intervention, and really we have to call a spade a spade, birth intervention leads to injury. The eyes align. That is a neuromotor, neurosensory injury to those babies that then sets up this perfect storm cascade of neurodevelopment, neurogut, neuroimmune, neuroeverything challenges. So if we can step in, become aware of that problem, and then do two things. Upstream with prenatal care and obstetrics, we got to stop doing it so much. We got to stop creating the problem when it didn't need to be created. And then the second thing, when we did need to create it, when the intervention was absolutely life-saving and necessary, then it should be the responsibility of that OB or that pediatrician or both to call Dan and call Tony and go, hey, this just happened. Sit down with the parents and say, dear parents, you need to go see Dan. You need to go see Tony and you need to go see folks like them because we did this for this reason, but we now know through neurodevelopmental research and science that it's going to more greatly increase your child's path of going, or increase their risk of going down this perfect storm path. To head that off and do something about it, here's your pediatric chiropractor. Yeah, I think um, I, I think it's important for us to preface, you know, or I don't even know if it's preface, but just talk about what you just said and with respect to, to birth trauma and the statistics around it. As I said before, you know, the papers that we have, the research that we have suggests something like 99 out of 100 babies are born with some sort of subluxation, usually an upper cervical subluxation. But what this means is that every single baby, every single child needs to be under supervision of a chiropractor and chiropractic care because a lot of this stuff is silent, right? You don't necessarily see these things. They're not obvious um, unless there's a torticollis or like a severe cranial like hemi uh, um, uh, uh, um, misalignment or something like that. Um, parents can see those things, but they, they don't necessarily equate subluxation being uh, associated with things like colic and constipation and acid reflux and lashing issues and all that other stuff. A lot of that is our own fault. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're not communicating yeah. well enough as a profession with the pediatricians and the pediatric specialist. But beyond that, assuming that birth by its very nature is a stressful traumatic enterprise, um, chiropractors need to be on the forefront of that. And I think that's what you're saying. And, um, and to that, I, I just want to add this piece of clarity. I, you know, you especially know me, buddy, man, from everything in the world, I, I live and die by this phrase. We choose the word or way too much in our lives. Like I have to either go to the pediatrician or the pediatric chiropractor. I have to do this 
or that. I have to believe this or that. I have to support these people or that. I live in and life, you know, that it depends on how old you are, if this joke will make sense. It does to death. The Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders answer. I want to do and. I want to play both. And so I think I know the future will change when families have the pediatrician so that when emergencies arise, you have the fire department to call and a pediatric chiropractor. And same as earlier, when you get, when you have your PT, your OT, your speech therapist and your nutrition that you're doing, you want to enhance your child's health. Well, that's where the and of a pediatric chiropractor or a prenatal chiropractor on your team, don't look at it as if I go this way, I'm abandoning everything else. No, you're enhancing everything else. I really think we can shift to that and perspective and change the world in a big way with it. Right. As you said multiple times in the past, it's, it's about the loudest voice, right? Those of us who are on the front lines, we will never, ever shut up about this because of the things that we see in our clinics um, and the types of changes that we see in our kids. Uh, we can't afford to be silent because this problem is worsening. Um, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, um, the kids on the spectrum, the kids with sensory processing disorder, anxiety, ADHD, whatever, we're seeing more and more of these kids. And right now, as we record this in the age of COVID, um, it's absolutely the worst that it's ever been. I was talking about this with Hoffman a couple of weeks ago about how we're seeing more T1s and T12s in MC2 analysis than ever before. <laughs> the reason this is, is because these two particular vertebrae are associated with respiratory centers that are off when all you do is breathe with your shoulders. And when you breathe with your shoulders, um, it's usually an indication that you're under tremendous amounts of sympathetic dominance or stress. Um, yep. Obviously technique systems differ and vary, but uh, in our technique system, we see a ton of this. Yep. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about this, this line between birth trauma and the first year which is where we typically see call constipation, acid mm -hmm. reflux, latching issues, uh, ear infections, all that stuff, and autism spectrum, okay. right? Um, you, there, we, we talked and hinted at it very, very briefly about yep. how we see these things kind of fester and build upon the, these really poor foundations. But I want you to really dig into on, on the neurology here of where yep. subluxation and birth trauma leads to typically in the first two to four years of life, this diagnosis, quote unquote, of autism spectrum, sensory processing disorder, ADHD, et cetera. Um, so, so let's dig into this and see if we can't come up with a consensus. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. you got it. So there's, uh, the, there, there's, we'll keep it into two frames for parents. One, when there is that stress on the nervous system from in utero, and then especially that upper cervical neurospinal subluxation, one part of the problem is already there in that the child's autonomic or central nervous system is already shifted and leaning towards a more sympathetic fight or flight. So a neurosensory altered course, it's already over there, okay? What that does then is it sets up a cascade of challenges within the other subsystems. And again, you're right, we, we went into briefly, but going into the deeply, what it starts to do is because the neuro, really the central and autonomic nervous system, controls the other systems of the body. And let's just simplify it to the two other right and left-handed big horses, digestive system, the gut, and the immune system. So we always communicate this to our patients as the triangle or the trifecta, okay? So you got the central nervous system truly in the center. 
controlling and modulating those other two systems, the gut and the immune system. If you've done any reading on the gut, which I'm sure most parents in this conversation have, you know that 70 to 80% of our immune system is in the gut. So when our kids get chronically sick with the other A's, asthma, allergies, autoimmune challenges, we attempt to heal that through the gut. But what happens with a perfect storm subluxated child burst to one is we are so neurologically altering gut and immune function that that is the original causative pathway that set up leaky gut and gut imbalances in the first place. So the reason, so instead of just saying, oh, our child is more intolerant or sensitive to gluten and casein and peanuts and all sorts of other things that show up on the allergy testing, we as pediatric chiropractors are the annoying toddler on a road trip who keeps asking that next question, why? There's one more layer of why. Why are they so sensitive to gluten? Why are they so sensitive to casein? Because the subluxation was already there and it shut down and altered the function of the gut and the immune system in the first place. So it's all about susceptibility, which is what we don't want, instead of adaptability or resiliency, which is what we do want. So now what happens over that first year, second year, third year, especially as we transition from mother's milk and breastfeeding to regular foods, is now you start to also set up a gut-brain problem. Yes, the serotonins, the dopamines, the neurotransmitters start to become imbalanced. Yes, the gut and the immune system are limited, so they let in more toxins and more irritants and more allergens, and they get into the bloodstream. And again, I'll farmer speak this. So the original subluxation in the upper neck goes north to south. North is up, south is down, right? So the vagus nerve goes down into the gut and into the immune system, and you have a north to south problem. And then once that's already there, now you start to get a south to north problem, what's called the gut-brain connection and a neurochemical imbalance. And now the child starts to have all these other issues that definitely affect the brain as well. There's more inflammation, which triggers again, a sympathetic response. So if you've heard the response, if, if you've been on the Google and you've been online looking for answers and you feel like the gut brain stuff and you've heard the phrase inflammation is the root of all disease, you are absolutely correct. There's just one more set of roots underneath of that and it's neurological interference sets up a cascade of inflammation and neurochemical imbalance and that's the other one I know you've heard, especially if your child's a little bit older, or maybe even you yourself, mom and dad, have been told you have ADHD or depression or anxiety because of a chemical imbalance. They're telling you the truth scientifically, but not the whole truth. The only way you can have a neurochemical imbalance is if you first have a central neuro imbalance, because those chemicals, that gut function and that immune system are all regulated and coordinated by the central autonomic nervous system. So if that was imbalanced first, you can go gluten-free, casein-free, you can add Abilify, you can add oils, you can add, I could put a litany of lists on there and you're still swimming upstream and not really getting the original imbalance fixed. And so it's that neurological interference 
that sets up the other eyes. So we always kind of draw this out too, as you've seen me do, Dan. Once we draw out central nervous system to gut to immune, you can draw a three eye triangle that says neurological interference sets up the inflammation and the chemical imbalance. And it's really the cornerstone of it. So when you can fix that, that's why Dan was saying earlier, look, it doesn't matter what your child's going through. It's all going to get better. And, and let's be honest, I'll put a bone up with this. That's what trips people out about chiropractic. We're too over the top. Like you're telling me you can fix that and that and that and that and that. And in our clinic, we're like, yes, everything but back pain. We suck at back pain. <laughs> Just kidding. That's actually pretty easy. Um, but the truth of the matter is, because when you can improve neurology, everything is downstream from that. So why wouldn't you expect everything else to improve when you work on the central nervous system? That's the forefront of medicine. There's a few people on their side at Princeton, at Harvard, we use these studies too. There's people that are starting to open up this neurological band or neurological hood and go, hmm, what's this vagus nerve thing? What's this autonomic thing? What's this HRV thing? And researching it from sensory processing disorder to seizures, vagal nerve simulators, to everything under the sun. If your child, the more stress your child has, the more you need it. Simple as that. Yeah, I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of case after case after case that I've seen with um, young children who started out with HRVs that were perfect, right? And on the surface, when you see a perfect HRV, you know, the uneducated eye looks at it and says, well, there's nothing wrong. So yep. we're okay. But what we don't take into account is that the abilifies, the sensory, the, uh, the SSRIs, the, the anti-anxiety medications, like all those things, they are specifically chemically designed to normalize that HRV artificially. Correct. So more than anything, what that HRV is telling us is that the medication is doing what it is programmed to do. Meanwhile, everything under the surface is still festering. And so we'll go through the process of correction, restoration, and we'll see that HRV start to tank yep. because the neurology is normalizing and the medication is making things worse at that point, right? It's a conversation that we have to have with all of our parents when we first get started to let them know, yeah, hey, this is going to change because that's what the action of the medication is. Um, it's, it's further uh, important for us to make sure we have a relationship with our pediatric specialist to let them know, hey, listen, once we normalize this stuff, maybe it might be time for you to... To, to work with the patient to taper down on that medication because they may not need it necessarily. Um, I'm specifically thinking of a case that I just got started. And I want you to talk to, to, to us a little bit about this as well, because this is our milieu. Um, this is an ODD kid. This kid is oppositional in every sense of the word. He's, he's violent. Um, he fights his teachers. He fights his parents. He you know, puts holes in walls, he fights other kids, he fights his siblings, um, to the point where, you know, when his mom, who's been a patient in my clinic for years, finally said, listen, we got to do something. Yep. Um, he fought her just to come in the office because he doesn't believe that anything is wrong. But this kid is certainly in pain. There's definitely a lot of things that, that need to be addressed and nothing else is working, right? He's even been on medication and the medication is not working. Yep. And so, you know, when we had this conversation with mom and dad, and obviously dad's skeptical because that's what dads are, yep. um, we had the conversation about neurology. We said, listen, this HRV is going to probably be normal because the medication is yep. specifically doing that, right? Things are going to tank first 
before they get better, right? That's just a process of us dialing them in. Um, but ultimately, if we do this correctly, we should start to see that improvement linearly over time. He's going to start feeling a little bit more comfortable in his skin. He's going to stop being as violent. He's going to start doing better in school, all these things that we can expect. And this is a long care plan. I mean, this is an eight-month care plan minimum to see this progress that we're going to make. Um, you did talk about long care plans before, but I would love for you to talk about these really, really severe cases, specifically these ODD, PDD kids, and these long care plans, and why these care plans take so much time for us to be able to get the progress that we're going to make. You got it. Because once the, the, the underpinnings of this are once that dysfunction sets up, once that subluxation of the autonomic nervous system sets up shop in there, it then messes up every other system, right? And so this, my first mentor, Dr. Cody, was, was just phenomenal in teaching me this. He said, look, the longer this has been around and the deeper it's got in, the bigger the restoration. That's why we actually call our care plans restoration. It's an, it's an analogy or metaphor. I still don't know. I got to look that up one day, Dan. What is an analogy? What is a metaphor? What's the difference? I don't care. I'm using them both, okay? It's like a construction job. I live on a farmhouse that has been remodeled many times over. A couple of the remodels were done by the homeowners themselves instead of professionals. We're all familiar with this analogy, right? And so you open the walls or you get into the panel and you look at it and you go, oh man, somebody just, we call it farmered together, right? And, and put it together. Now, any good contractor, as we then did hire for this job to come in and do it, is gonna need to tell you the truth that says, look, before we can even get started in a forward direction, we need to dig out and unearth all of this malfunction and dysfunction that's in here. This artificial, it all looked good on the surface, right? Because you put it behind the wall. That happens a lot with medications with these kiddos in that even when they do work or whether they don't symptomatically, right? Which is the only thing they're really grading to say whether it worked or not. They, not, they don't even pretend to say, oh, we're gonna improve the original neurology causing this. No, they just say, here's your form, are the symptoms better? So what we have to do is we have to go backwards to get prepared to go forwards again. We really need to unearth that and get that challenge out of there and allow the nervous system to have a fresh, clean, unaltered state to work with. And what's beautiful about that is when you make changes in that direction, yes, it's longer, but it's also then longer lasting. So just parents, take a deep breath and marry those two together. What you get out of a full neurologically focused care plan is not only better short-term life and quality of life, but you get lasting change. There is no lasting change with medication. We all know that. It's how physiology, it's called the antidote effect. Chiropractors wrote about it in the 1920s. The more you drink ca caffeine or alcohol, guess what? You need more of it to get the same buzz you had. The more someone smokes, they do that. The more they, let me use some good ones. The more they exercise, right? The lift weights so they run, the more they can do that. Well, it's the same in this way. And medication's never going to do anything other than layer those challenges in. So that's where the real advanced training of the pediatric chiropractors and Dan is at the tip of this very spear. And I say that because I know that he truly is. At the tip of that spear is someone who can look beyond even the superficial results and marry what we're understanding in the case history 
and then marry it with what the child is showing on our scans and our exams and say, this is the process we're going to need to go through over this course of time, eight months or whatever it may be. And don't worry, because we're going to assess with these scans every single chunk along the way to make sure we're on the right track. And that's, that's the last thing I would say about that is, it's not just that we know, hey, this is where things are, this is where we want to get to, this is the plan to get there. We will make sure at these checkpoints that what we want to happen, what you want to happen, parents, is actually happening so we can stay the course, which is 95% of the time, or there is a 5% of the time where we need to just make a little tweak, make a little adaptation into the plan, and we know exactly how to do that as well. But the thing to be most worried about is if, so, if you have a child like that, been violent with everyone, tried this, tried that, tried everything and not there, if someone, anyone comes into you and says, oh, this will be easy, we'll have this done by next week, run full speed in the other direction because they don't know their sacrum from their occiput, which means head from their ass, okay? <laughs> so, so then that brings up a really good question, and that is, you know, how do parents pick a chiropractor um you know I, I i'm sure you've had this experience and i've had this experience especially lately um with some of my more difficult cases where we have a chiropractor in in town who um sees neck and back pain and they're really really good at neck and back pain and we get a kid maybe who has back pain or headaches or neck pain which can happen especially in teenage oh, yeah. years when they start getting more stressed out and they start caring for them or quote unquote treating them like they would treat any other adult um, but these kids have different neurological requirements and things start to worsen um, yeah, yeah. over time. So, so how, how do parents pick the right one? I, I really think this is something that we want to try and get done as soon as possible. It's not that we're, we still got to work on our referral directory and have that there. But there's two, there's two foolproof ways that parents, uh, really three. I'm going to go old school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek in a one I've used forever. Easier now with the, the internet and everything the way we do. Um, Dr. Cody, my mentor, um, he, he was one of the first to work on neurosensory tough cases. He was MC squared, right? Everything we do, Dan, as you know, Dr. Cody taught me so much of what I know. He was before the ages of Google and directories and everything else. So he would have his team look up chiropractors in the town that a family said, hey, my niece lives here. We're moving here, whatever it is. And he would answer, he, you call the office and you ask this question, hey, how many kids do you guys see at the office? Is your practice a big pediatric office? If it's a traditional neck pain and back pain center, the CA at the chiropractic office will go, oh yeah, I think they adjust their own kids. <laughs> that's not a good enough answer, okay? That, that's not, that does not show expertise. That's the old way. The second way is really, really, really honestly, watch their videos. In today's world, these chiropractors should be doing what Dr. Dan and I are doing today, which is educating you because we are you as parents and we do not make big decisions for our children without getting copious amounts of education first. So what the challenge is, is anybody can make their website look good. We can get, we can put a picture of a happy family running through a meadow with purple flowers and everything around it, right? And say that it's a family practice but I want you to look deeper moms and dads. I want you to go talk to other parents and I want you to watch their videos and read their articles. And if they can explain the science behind what they do, not superficially, 
but they take the time because they care enough to put that information out there. That is a pediatric chiropractor who knows their stuff. If in contrast, you land on their website and it says family, you watch a few videos and they've got a canned picture of a family and they shared another article, but they themselves don't educate you and put that information to you and you get even a wisp of, mm, I don't know that this person knows what they're talking about to the degree that I want, then keep looking. Even if you got to drive a little bit, you got to go a little bit, we are out there. It's exactly why we train our crew first. I mean, how many hours are that, right? The, the 10 Ds of the subluxation. It is hours and hours and hours of training on the science first because they need to know it to then to get you to know it so then that you can work together to do something about it. And, you know, I want to go back to one, one last thing before we kind of wrap this thing up. And, and that is going back to these long care plans, because I think when you're looking for a chiropractor uh, to take care of your children, that's, that's one of the hallmarks of seeing a chiropractor who's really, really good at this stuff versus seeing a chiropractor who's a pain relief guy. And again, this isn't to denigrate any of our pain relief guys, because God knows they're doing the work that I don't want to be doing. Um, but typically, and I, I want you to chime on this as well, typically a care plan in my office for a child that's of this perfect storm variety lasts anywhere between six and eight months. Um, these long care plans on average in your office, how, how long do they last and, and why, why so long? Yeah, six to eight months at minimum. And a lot of times that is to get that child, um, again, unwound and unlocked like we talk about and on the journey going forward. And a little bit, a lot of times that first six to eight months is then setting up their supportive wellness care to catch up after that. But it has to be that long because you have to use that amount of time and that amount of repetition to get the nervous system to unstuck itself from sympathetic dominance and what we used to do is do a long enough care plan of about three to four months to do that. And when you take a child out of sympathetic fight or flight response, you're going to see actually a lot of the symptomatic improvements in most cases. You're going to see a lot of big positive celebratory change in that time. But that child may not have stability yet into their nervous system. So the second half of that six to eight months is to continue to rehabituate and restore the nervous system and get it used to moving and operating in the positive parasympathetic direction so that it can stay there and respond in that way when life continues to soldier on, which it will. There will be growth spurts. There will be boyfriends who are mean. There will be bullies. There will be falls at soccer. There will be immune challenges. You know, there will be hopefully never again a year like this, but goodness, does this year show the need for resilience and adaptability and wellness chiropractic care like none other. So we need to get all of that done in that time. And I'll, I'll really put the icing on the cake with this too. We had actually the guy I'm going to communicate with right after this, Dan, he does our video work. He is the dad of a perfect storm miracle kiddo. They first, after they exhausted medicine and then they exhausted nutrition, which unfortunately today, again, we need to educate and get out there ahead of that. They came to us after they had brought their beautiful little baby girl, Ashlyn, who had a really rough pregnancy, really rough birth, was already having some seizures and chronic immune challenges at just the age of two. They brought her in to a regular chiropractor and they wanted to go too. Mom and dad had already been under wellness care from another chiropractor once or twice a month, maintenance, I wouldn't call it wellness, maintenance. 
And so they all go into this other chiropractor who has family in their name. And the, I'm, I'm telling the story as the dad told it to me. And when they sat down and they got their recommendations, first off, there was no exam. There was no scans. There was, there was talk of the nervous system, but no examination of the nervous system. And then when they got the recommendation of care, that beautiful little baby girl who was about as sick and riddled with seizures as you can get at that age of two, got the exact same plan as did the parents who really didn't have too many issues and had already been under chiropractic care. What that did to mom and dad is caused them pause and it should, and thank goodness it did. And they found their way to us. And the number one thing they said that was most refreshing to them is when we gave them a long care plan because they knew in their mom and dad gut of guts that their child needed a lot of help, not a little bit of help. So don't mistake in that when you take your kiddo to a pediatric chiropractor or that, make sure you get the full effect because this is our babies we're talking about. So the reason we do that care at that level is they deserve that, they need that. And that is exactly what sets them up for a life of health instead of a life of the storm. And it's not always easy work, but goodness is it rewarding. And goodness is that, like you said at the introduction to this, Dan, we won't stop. We're teaching technique because that's how we prefer, that's how we learn it, right? We teach the science because we get better at it. We will continue to hone our craft, especially if you are dug into this podcast and this man here staring at me on Zoom with a far better beard than I have. You are in the best place imaginable lean into it, get after it. And I just am excited for you to see the other side of it. Um, you know, with, with all that said, Tony, um, you're, you're a master communicator when it comes to providing hope for people who are, who are listening, who are, who've heard you speak. I know you, you've spoken to thousands and thousands of people about this, this message. Um, if you had one thing to convey to these parents in closing one piece of hope, one message um, so that they, you know, start on the right foot and then move towards this, this message that you're bringing. What would you say that is? Yeah, I really think um, most important thing is to find a guide that you really truly trust, right? That you can look at from an emotional connection and that gut instinct, because there's neurology to that too, and go, this doctor is the person we trust with our child and then absolutely lean into that. Just keep searching, because here's the truth. Everything we talked about, you're not supposed to know, okay? You would have been just fine parenting without knowing about the vagus nerve or the gut brain or anything else, right? And all these sort of things. This isn't, I don't think that chapter necessarily needs to be in the parent you know, textbook, but it is in the pediatric and provider, you know, practitioner textbook. So lean on that. I really think, you know, the old saying is it takes a village is about the most true saying on earth. We need amazing doctors to trust, to guide us and lead us into the right direction for our kids' health. We need amazing teachers. We need amazing coaches, right? This isn't really something we're supposed to do all on our own, just armed with Dr. Google and WebMD, right? We're really supposed to be armed with amazing other humans around us who have dedicated their life to that thing so that they can provide it to those kids in that family. So the most important thing I would encourage you to do is to find that practitioner who can be the trusted 
and resource guide for your kids and your family's well-being. Because here's what's cool. When you know in vivid detail like we do about what causes a kid to get sick and a family to get stressed, you also know the 180. You know exactly what it takes to lead them to the best life possible, no matter what's in front of them, no matter what's out there. And so this isn't just for our kids. This is for the whole flipping family. These are the families that live that extra life where people look at you weird like, why are you so happy? Why are you standing so tall? Why are your kids listening to you? Why are your kids so healthy, right? Like that's the life you want to live. That's the life you deserve to live. You got to find that person who will lead you to it. Yeah. Good message, Tony. Thank you so much for spending this Tuesday morning with us. We really, really appreciate all of your wise words and what a better way to, uh, there's no better way to, to fill out this like jam-packed season three of the KiddoCast and to bring you on board and talk about all these these things that you know so well about. Um, just for everybody who's listening, uh, both parents and doctors, because there are doctors who are listening to this podcast who are sharing it with their patients, how can people get a hold of you and uh, communicate? Yeah, you know, we, we will work on the public arm of this new thing we have. So if you really just, if you're a parent and you just want to be connected and engaged with us, we're outside of Chicago, but our Facebook page and Instagram page doesn't stop there. So it's PWC Chiropractic yeah, on, on Facebook. Premier Wellness Care Chiropractic is what that stands for. So PWC Chiropractic, Facebook and Instagram, you can get there. And then other chiropractors and those that want to serve the way that we do, um, our training program is called The Pediatric Experience. Um, so you can find that same thing, Facebook and Instagram, and just reach out to us there. Whatever you need, we are there on the DM, as the kids say, Dan, ready to serve, ready to help. And we'll, you know, we respond back quickly on both of those channels for parents who need help and help us finding somebody um, or for their family or chiropractors who want to be that somebody. Same thing. Just reach out. There you have it, folks. Uh, for doctors who are listening, if you guys are not a member of PX, um, I cannot uh, uh, emphasize this enough. Join PX. Uh, we've had the most sustainable amount of growth in our practice over the past uh, six months that we've ever had in nine years of practice because of Tony and his team. So please, if you take care of kids, get on the PX train. And um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with us for 20 episodes of this season. It's been fantastic. Tony, thank you so much for, uh, for filling this out for us. We really appreciate and love everything that you're doing. And uh, until next time, guys, we will uh, we'll see you then. Thank you, brother.